driven. Created. listening to the Bee Velocity podcast and this is episode 12. I'm Deborah and I'm Ellie your host and we are joined today with our guest Lara Moto. Lara is a female motorcycle racer and presenter and oh my word she is fast and fierce. There's going to be lots of talking about bikes, social media and the army motorcycle road race team. I'm excited! I'm excited too. Right, let's let's crack on today. Welcome, Laura. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. Finally, how are you and how are you getting on with the Army Motorcycle Road Race Team? Tell us all. Well, hello um, and thank you so much, both of you, for inviting me onto this podcast. I really appreciate it. And it's great to get some visibility for, for motorbiking. Um, and I'm getting on very well in the army motorcycle road racing team um i'm currently fourth in the championship which is which is pretty good and what it what it is is um we race against the ref and the royal navy royal marines in an inter-services championship hosted by thundersport gb i think the championship has uh, existed for um a, a few years now um and I originally competed on my CB500s, which is uh, the, the, the images behind you. And then recently I, I bought an R6 and I thought I'd, I'd give, it, give it another go. And now, so, so the Army support a lot of activities. Obviously, our primary purpose is, is a military role. And I, I, I have a role to play in the Army. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a captain in the Army at the moment. I've been selected for major. So doing quite well on the rank wise. And obviously, I have a, a role to fill. I do about 60 days a year doing all the traditional military stuff um, is kind of supporting training, supporting military activity. But the Army throws a lot of money um, at um, adventure training because it's a way of developing you as an individual and as a team so that should you need to perform in a military environment and need to deliver and go beyond what's called for and, and, and really dig in and find out what you're capable of, it's really hard to simulate that environment in peacetime and they do that through the, through the nature of sport. So um, army motorcycle racing is one of them, whether it's like, you know, abseiling, climbing, swimming, running, triathlon, all of those sports come together. And so there's we've got funding to, to run to run this team. Now, I fund my, my bike um, uh, and I fund my, my entry fees um, and we just get a little bit of help with tyres. We mostly pay for it ourselves, but we've been lucky enough to kind of get mass support for sponsors because there's about 15 riders. There's leverage to get by having a bulk order and we, we try and make as, as much of that as possible. And then we get to the track and work as a team to set up our awning, um, look after each other should it not go quite so well, um, and, and then deliver on the track. And then we get to race against each other almost very individually uh, to fight for the, for the championship. My mind has just been blown. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I've got so many questions. How how do you find the time, Laura? Like in between obviously your day job essentially, and then obviously finding time with your other work colleagues from literally probably across the country, I imagine. It's probably just not one in one local area. Like yeah. how how does it how do you put the two and two together? Um, I tried to draw, draw a Venn diagram once because that's the way it made most sense to me. Um, and it's it's busy, but we all have 24 hours in the day and I decided to just ram it full of <laughs> activity. <laughs> so like the, 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 the main one, I mean, you, you could argue that you know, family and friends are the most important, essential part of your life. Um, so I, I'm going to not put that in, but that's more fundamental to, to keep, keep, keep us, keeping us all sane and connected. 
but um, um, I've got kind of three main bubbles in my life, which is the, the kind of the, the Rolls Royce bubble. I'm an engineer. I work for Rolls Royce, and that's like my my well eight till four. So um, I throw um, my energy into that. That is my day job, and that pays for the huge expense of motorbike racing. Uh, not to be underestimated, it's ridiculous. Um, and then uh, I have a military life, which I've pers- pursued ever since I went to uni. So I joined in like 2005 um, as an officer cadet where they do this parallel training with your university degree. So you just basically learn to run around in the field and get shouted at. But it gives you doctrine. It gives you like discipline and you just get to progress as a, like a future leader. And then when I started working full time, I just kind of kept that habit of doing reserve nights so the army um uh, you, you kind of parade on a tuesday or and you parade on weekends and that's that's like one weekend a month and one tuesday um every week but it's because of habit you know we all have habits whether it's switching on and watching netflix or doing our hobbies or doing something with our free time that's just mine um and conveniently the army support my racing so the, the venn diagram overlaps quite wonderfully because i get supported to do what i love and i've earned I've earned the right, my right in the team by being an effective military officer. You know, you can't just turn up and go racing. I've spent since 2005 developing my skills so that I can justify that. <laughs> uh, so that's how I balance it. And then I've just got an amazing, a really supportive other half. He gets it. When we met, I was like, this is me. Uh, <laughs> if you're up for it, let's go. Uh, and that really helped. And then my friends on the track are amazing. So I've got, the, obviously, the, my military colleagues are brilliant, but I've got, like a pit crew community around me now and they keep turning up for some reason and they just get shouted at but they <laughs> they they understand and we have a team goal and they just that I think they like seeing me out on track succeeding uh, and we've got a good spirit there so I've got team I've got people around me to help me you know get to the track and, and bring it together so yeah it's all good <laughs> <laughs> I've got so many questions. Um, yeah. I'm just going to reel it in, try and keep to the script. Um, oh, I forgot about social media as well. Yeah. And the yeah. Journal, we, yeah. We'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. Don't worry. So, this kind of tallies into what you said, but you can expand on it a little bit more. Can you just tell our listeners how you actually got involved with the Army Motorcycle Road Race team? Obviously, um, your reserve. Yes. What steps did you take to say, yeah, I'm doing it. I want to give this a go. Um, what sort of route did you go down? Um, I think it's the, the more complicated route is how you get into racing in the first place. Yes. The team are always looking for good, competent, capable riders. And they typically have a, um, a programme where you work with them as pit crew just to learn what it's like to be at a track. Um, yes. And so we have some fresh um people coming in that are either learning to ride bikes or uh, or getting a bit handier on track days and we mm. invite them to come and help the team out so it's almost like a, a you 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 build up that understanding um how to operate on the track track side um and then how the team operates over the space of a weekend over the duration of a weekend um in my particular scenario, um, I'd already started racing and I, I just realised they existed. And mm. uh, because I'm quite handy, it wasn't that hard to find a place in the team. Um, mm. uh, so that it kind of all it came together quite easily. But it was really my racing journey. I already got how the paddock works. I already get what a race weekend's about. But critically, um, it's not funded by the army. Um, yeah. We I get insured by the army. Get to I, uh, and because I, I'm on duty, I'm, I'm paid to be there. But it's not a cheap sport and in kind of the almost like the barrier to entry is your budget um mm. and you've got to be realistic with that yeah um we've we've spoke about uh thunder sport quite a lot the actual championship and yes, how yes. amazing it is um we've had a few guests that have actually been involved in that championship so they're getting yeah. loads of shout shout outs at the moment um yeah and obviously there's a lot of um females that have come from that particular championship that are now in the likes of bsb yeah um, so 100 percent full-on support that championship in what it's done purely for female riders yeah it's true uh, there's a trophy in my garage um for um i think second in the, but they had a ladies championship at the time when i joined but they mm. 
um, where we comp competed in our in our respective races, obviously with mixed uh, mixed sex, but um, we kind of competed against each other to see how many points we could get in our relative races. It was something that that Dave and uh, Bernadette brought out quite early. Mm. Um, but obviously, I was listening to Charlotte and Macuso's podcast with you yes. and Katie Hands, and they're exactly yeah. the kind of using Thunder Sport as a feeder to get to BSB, and it's because it's really good training and high competition. Mm. I think Thunder Sport is the the pre-BSB um, standard uh, mm. for the people coming through the ranks to get, get to that destination, yeah. Yeah, so like I said, we have lots of respect for that championship and what it's, um, what it's potentially doing for potential riders um, going mm. up the ranks. Now, this is Ellie's favourite question, so I'm literally going to put myself on mute and just hand it over to her. <laughs> it's it's not that hard of a question Laura so don't panic <laughs> not yet anyway mm -hmm. so where did it all start for you and like how long has your passion for two wheels like stayed with you like tell us the first moment you got on a bike or what drew you to the bike in the first place uh, so it's always a lovely story and you'll all get a smile from everybody who re reflects on it. But I think my dad deeply regrets his decision. Um, but the uh, uh, he basically brought home a, um, a Yamaha Persola, which is like this little white moped thing with a basket on the front and a box on the back. He found it in a dump. Uh, it ran and I sat on it. And there was, yeah, history was made, I guess. Um, I did have a penchant for motorbike prior to that. Um, I had a, I used to hang around with a little biker crew because, uh, you know, as a kid, you just want to cycle everywhere. And I'd fitted um, like a flappy piece of cardboard on the rear, um, on the bottom of the frame so that it would make a flat, like a, uh, tracted well motorbike noise as your spokes went past yeah. I think you could buy them out of a Kellogg's box or something but I made mine and so I, I gave myself a single cylinder Harley feel like bop, bop, bop. anyway so I think there was the motorbike jeans were there and I, I remember um MCN magazine was a big deal and I, around my whole room I had pictures of my favorite riders cut out on the kind of the on the board around my room and just I think early days obsessed with it so I've got this Yamaha Persola. I've got a white box on the back that I kept, obviously for convenience and practicality. Um, and then I'd written, um, if I could go faster, I would on the back of it. Got rid of the basket. I think that's not cool. And then I just rode back around the island of Jersey. So you're an Isle of Wight girl, aren't you, Ellie? Um, um, yes. You're Isle of Man. Sorry. That's a terrible behaviour. Sorry. Isle of Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I, had an, I grew up on an island and that was life like my moped was life um and then I eventually um you know found a bit more cash and and got a couple of other mopeds and then got a Yamaha DT125 so like a two-stroke Yamaha that should not have been on the road at all like it was just in terrible condition got caught speeding on it and ended up being in the naughty books and this was like when I was 18 19 and the magistrate had such a long list of naughty things about that bike that I he just cancelled the hearing and just came back another day it was so bad anyway just you just wanted to be on a bike oh incidentally I think one time I think I ruined Christmas you bring back a lot of memories now so I was so adamant I wanted to ride my Sorry. bike it got ground I got grounded and bike was confiscated and locked in my garage and I was so adamant I wanted to get into the garage that I smashed the window of the garage to get my bike and I did it without any tools apart from the stiletto that I had in my cupboard all the time um that is brilliant yeah yeah you know like it, it, yeah it just made sense at the time um and then we took um was it what happened then um I went to uni, uh, University of the West of England, Bristol, didn't ride bikes then because you just need, you need money and the right equipment to ride bikes safely. It's just the right way to do it. But I did have a job as a uh, scooter man. So it's not a very gender neutral term, but it principle works. Uh, so it's the company's called Scooter Man. You ride a monkey bike to a client's car, then you drive them home. So the bike kind of folds into pieces, tank comes off, handlebars fold down, frame comes out put it in bags you put it in the back of their car and that was my day job well sorry day job I was at uni but my night's job um in Bristol um and so that got my fix but then it's then I was like how can I go faster on these things so they I had my big bike license at the time so I had a 90cc to your Jin Cheng a single um semi-automatic and I was just tucking behind the 
little bars trying to get as fast as I could or you can go like 40 50 miles an hour like down a hill with a tailwind behind a truck if you really try so it was great <laughs> um so that gave me a like, my uni bike fix and then when I got a job at Rolls-Royce and I waited a couple of years and then I could like right I can actually buy the kits the helmet the leathers the equipment and I got a Honda CBR 600F so nice little uh, sports tourer um good inline four and then I took it to a track day in 2013 and I was like why is everyone so slow <laughs> um I just it was at Mallory I've got a soft spot for Mallory I know it's a little silly circuit but um I was scraping foot pegs around the track and the, one of the instructors was like um where did you learn to ride like that I was like I don't know <laughs> um, and they gave me a high-vis jacket obviously because I'm a novice and they I still had my rack on the back of it and I was just like hooning around Mallory like you, no I'm not it wasn't sophisticated it wasn't good riding but it it was fast for my first track day and then I started just hitting up all the track days everywhere and then my friend at the time she was like do you know what we should go racing and that happened so I bought two CB500s she bought a van and we went to Brands Hatch in 2015 I think and the red lights went out after like you know when you're on the grid for the first time your first ever race and you've got 40 other CB500 screaming at you, but it's like a really thunderous thump, like twins are very a deep rumble. There's 40 of them all around you and you're like at the back of that grid going, oh my God, this is happening. And then just <laughs> launching it into Paddock Hill Bend. It just, and you're getting through and you're like, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm racing, it's crazy. And then, yeah. oh, what a feeling, what a feeling. And then I wasn't, I was like mid-pack. I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's racing. <laughs> <laughs> You've just summed up the excitement. That that's just brilliant. Um, can we talk yeah. about this first championship you um, went into a little bit yeah. more? Sure, sure. So what yeah. what championship was it? Oh, so Thundersport obviously has a variety of different uh, classes and one of them is the, the cheapest class you can do which and, and the one that encourages the most um, fairness in, comp- in terms of competitive machinery. So you you start racing, um, you all race CB500s. Now a CB500, a Honda CB, is a 500cc, approximately 50 brake horsepower twin. So it's, um, it's a very underpowered bike for the displacement. Um, uh, but it's very resilient, very robust, very easy to get hold of and um, simple to ride. Uh, they just they just deal with it. Like, obviously, we ride 600s and they're capable of 120 brake horsepower. So a f- single like a, a twin like that is a is is a very detuned engine, but it works. And you basically all race that <laughs> you get rid of the some of the road fairing, you get rid of the. The foot not foot pegs you well you put rear sets on it so you get rid of the road foot pegs uh, you get rid of the side stand I know the indicators and you pretty much got a race ready bike um it just then just evolves into how much how many tweaks you want to throw at it to make it a bit lighter um and a bit more competitive uh, and that's that was it so it's their most subscribed class in Thundersport so much so that they run two races a senior and a an elite class and then a like a freshman so there's there could be 80 riders not all at the same time but two batches of 40 in different races Uh, and it's the best class to start in because it's it's about racecraft and corner speed and that is the biggest thing you can learn about racing without going right I need a ZX10 and I'm going to go fast you you probably can if you're handy but you really bring yourself up to the ranks in the CBs so that made the most sense to me and when you bin it it's not the end of the world you might have yeah. to replace a handlebar and you scratch the fairing a bit but there isn't much to them they're, they're very they're very naked bikes in that sense um but what you the problem with them is that you're compromising what would be effective race bike because they're not race bikes. You're constantly trying to stiffen up suspension or you're trying to hang off, but the bars aren't the right kind of clip on size clip ons for the, the way you might want to corner. So yeah. they are a compromise. But in terms of the closest racing I've ever had, the most fun and the easiest is definitely the CB500. Did that help? <laughs> Answers it perfectly. I think Ellie's like, what do I say yeah. now? What do I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like my CB time. <laughs> so you've had quite a collection of bikes then? 
yes, yeah. So uh, the mostly racing, although in the garage at the moment, I've got a Ducati Supersport. So I, I, I just love Ducatis. They're gorgeous bits of kit. And um, the Supersport is a sports tourer, but sportier tourer. And I go on road trips with it, long road trips across the Pyrenees or the North North, North Spain. Um, and it, it's just the perfect bike for me. A lot of people are on GSs or Honda Africas or, uh, but I just really love throwing my Ducati around because it, it it's a 115 brake, which isn't going to blow your mind, but if you know how to ride it, it's utterly brilliant. So I love the Supersport. Rather have recently bought a Kawasaki 1000 Ninja SX, so their sports tourer, but it's um, a much more comfortable thing to own. And I did sit on his going, I didn't know bikes could be this comfortable. This is unusual because I was very sworn to <laughs> love my Ducati forever. But I was like, oh, it doesn't vibrate. OK, good. Um, and then uh, so those are the two ones in our garage at the moment and they'll stay like that forever. I don't really swap and change. I, I like my Super Sport. I love how it looks. And every time I park it up, I look back at it and go, yep. That's still beautiful. <laughs> uh, it's sort of got the full acropobic um, system on it. So it's mm -hmm. loud, but not stupid, but just raw and thunderous. I love it. Yeah, um, I and love then, that noise. <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, so I raced a CB500. And then I did a little uh, stint on a Ducati. 11.98 um which was like an idea a friend had in the paddock because you know like when you start something you make a network and yes. he was like I'd want a girl to ride my bike I've had loads of lads he basically introduces he likes different riders to race his bikes and compete in Thundersport but he's just like do you know what I think I'd like a capable female to do that and he chose me which was great uh, and what happened is that 11.98 then just took me around the track <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was I just got teleported from corner to corner and to go from a CB to 1198 ridiculous idea but I'm the kind of person that goes yeah sounds great um <laughs> so I wasn't um you know I wasn't punching but what did happen is I came I think 11th in a race which doesn't seem much but it is in the bigger scheme of things mm. on it was around Rockingham where it just started raining like rain rain not rain but like the real rain yeah. and uh, I had a wet on the front and a slick on the back and a track and a no traction control like it's always nice to have but the 1198 was raw and so you've got circa 200 brake horsepower and a very shiny rear wheel and you just I was just 50 pencing around the corners and everyone either fallen off or or effed off uh, and uh, I came in and Alan was just like running to hug me from the night road racing team because I was like I just kept it up and kept going and you got to be in it to win it like it's the way it is um, and then I rode a super twin one of Alan's super twins for a little bit which was again really got on with that well it was like a good race machine um, that was a Ducati monster in um in a 11.98 frame which was really good and then uh took a couple of years out because money really does get in the way of these things mm. and then I've just kind of worked a little bit hard at my job and a little bit of career progression and now I've gone right something's wrong I'm not happy what's wrong and I was like oh yeah it's because you're not racing so um <laughs> The R6 then got purchased and I've been uh, attempting to compete in the military championship ever since. Wow. So how many bikes are currently sat in your garage? Okay, so there's three. <laughs> so Laura, tell us how many bikes are currently sat in your garage at the moment? Okay, um, so there's the Ducati Supersport S, uh, there's the... Kawasaki 1000 SX, although I never really remember the title, although the half makes me read it off. And then there's the R6. The R6 is in a few bits at the moment, but there's going to be, there's three, and there probably will remain three. Um, so that's not too bad, I hope. Yeah, three bikes, two cars. Although if you count the number of cylinders we have in our household, that's a little bit different. So we've got two V8s, so 16 plus a Super Sport, two. Um, yeah, so there's a fair, a fair bit more. So 22 with the Kawasaki and then, yeah, what, 26 with the R6. So 26 cylinders in our household. We like to uh, play that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Now, myself and Ellie, we like to do research on our guests. Okay. You've got a YouTube channel. Could you mm. tell our listeners a little bit more about your YouTube channel? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, I set that up a couple of years ago, uh, back in when there was a lull in my racing, uh, because I was uh, working too much and not enough play. Uh, so I was like, right, I've got to do something different. And what's a great way to leverage uh, dealers to perhaps consider letting you have a bike? And I was like, right, I'll, I'll create um, a, an avenue or a way to talk about them. So I was really um, fortunate to hook up with Fowlers quite early, Fowlers in Bristol, um, a really, really fantastic motorbike shop and and dealer and I, I I wanted to have more motorbikes in my life because something was missing I was almost like I had this kind of down period of I just wasn't me um and that's where the channel came from um so I was like right I'll make a channel I'll start seeing what it's like talking in front of a camera and I did that for the first time with my Ducati Supersport where I spoke about uh, touring on it around the Pyrenees and I wanted to I think I had aspirations to be a TV presenter um, and I still do and I will take a talk about more of that in a bit because there's more to come but uh, I, I, I just wanted to practice in front of a camera because I thought I could do it and so that's what the YouTube channel is such a great way for absolute amateurs to have a go and that's what it, it gave me and my first ever video has been probably my most popular because I, I followed the training that YouTube loads of other YouTubers to help you how to do it but I was like right I'm going to talk to a camera in my garden and it's going to be weird. And I was so nervous, even though it was just me on my own talking to a GoPro, like proper nervous. I was like, why are you bothered? And now I can present in front of a camera and in front of an audience because no one actually cares. <laughs> just talk. <laughs> I do a job. Uh, so the... Um, so that that's how it got created and Fowlers are really good they just let me pick up bikes so I just you know I, I think I tried the electric bikes I tried the Yamaha Nike you know that three-wheeler at the front I tried the MT10 um I just took the electric bikes out and I just started to create content with them um and then I did a kind of a few like almost like out and about bits where I went to like the Bristol bike show and tried talking to people but it, when you get like a camera and a microphone, even though you're just an absolute amateur, people start talking to you. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> and that's, yeah, the channel. I mean, I'd, I put a lot of effort in a couple of years ago. I don't, I, I do have a finite amount of time, so I don't do much of it now um, uh, because racing's taken over, but it served its purpose. And as a result of that YouTube channel, and it was a, it was at the amazing Telly or something. What was the, uh, the I can't remember her name. Um, I know we've interviewed her yes yeah so she said like just start if you want to work in presenting start a YouTube channel was pretty much what I did um and now I've got a um a TV presenter job with motorbike TV so they're starting to record the the second uh second series now um mm -hmm. and I'm literally doing that in a couple of weeks time because I practiced in front of YouTube and then when it came to my audition I wasn't crap and I, I was actually able to engage with the audience and go from there so that was it well done you for that hard yeah. work um listeners you know you do learn <laughs> something from our podcast um, there is always something to take away in terms mm. of learning something new or just going with your gut feeling or your intuition and just you know going and doing it and doing um it's it yeah. literally just bite the bullet just do it what's the worst that yep. they're all Exactly. Just being ashamed as you talk to your camera in your garden. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. If you're passionate about something, just go and do it because uh, uh, it's not. There's no point waiting because no one's going to do it for you, and no one's going to shout for you harder than yourself. Like that's the first step. Yes. Like yeah, it. I think we can all. Um, yeah, definitely agree on yeah. that one. So, Laura, tell us your plans for the 2022 racing season what have you got coming up what, okay. what are you doing tell us all okay so um very much in the swing of the 2022 racing season so we started at, at brands and we've done um Netterton and Cadwell I've got Mallory in a couple of weeks and then we're going around Donington which is my local circuit I do know that circuit pretty well another event at Cadwell and Alton Park so we're just part of the Thundersport GB calendar if you type in Thundersport GB into Google you'll see the whole racing events and that's pretty much my focus um, is is turning up and competing with a military team against the RAF and the Navy and doing my best to kind of hold my place in the championship now the, the kind of idiosyncrasy with the military race is that anybody 
bike is allowed. So typically the thousand cc's win, you know, they are really beating us on horsepower, but certain circuits lend themselves well to, to an R6 or 600. Um, so if I can sniff out like a third place would be amazing. Um, if the, if I can kind of beat my competitors also on similar bikes in the RAF and the Navy. Uh, so that that's the plan. And then critically, you can't really just turn up and race and expect to do well if you don't ride in the meantime. So I've really got obsessed with loads of other contributory sports to to help me on the track. Um, apart from the obvious, which is like do track days on my R6. So I've got loads of them booked and planned. Um, but I've recently taken up flat tracking. So I became came second in the late in the ladies championship with um, champions flat track school. And honestly, with both of you riding or well, learning to ride bikes, uh, Ellie, you're riding a bike at the moment or not? No, no, unfortunately, no. So I've seen it for so many years, but I don't know what it is. It's it's something. I think it's just like the two wheel thing. I knowing myself, I know how unsteady I am as it is. So I just feel like it's a bit too too. Maybe one day, never say never. Deb will talk me into it. Yeah, look, I can just see already. Here we go. (laughs) Well, it's basically it shouldn't be the the Champions Flat Track School is a fantastic starter place just to not learn to ride a bike because you need to be able to do that before you turn up. But in terms of bike handling and confidence, uh, it's it's got it in in abundance. So I'm I've organised a level one day and that's how I started. Like absolute Billy basics: ride this bike round a circle and just do the flat track style, which is elbows high, push the bike into the ground and stick your leg out. That's pretty much it. And you just learn feel and movement and he just really brings on your confidence so I started racing that in a championship so in the off season I do that um Katie Hand won it this year so it was great to like ride ride with her um and then I also do I've just learned to do motocross which you think I'd start a lot earlier than that but I was like I'm a tarmac princess I'm not going anywhere near dirt but actually when you realize how much you can throw a bike with knobblies into corners and it sticks you're like oh okay this is cool um so there was um something called the ladies motocross day um run by um well it's kind of moto 101 i think is the name of it it's in lincoln like grantham way and um i just started turning up to that oh and oh amazing so Leia Tokolov is a flat track absolute hero she's just won loads of stuff but she set up something called Days on the Dirt where she does these like induction programs for motocross um held at Greenfields in Lincolnshire and she taught me like how to ride basics and that's helped massively so what I'm trying to say is I am racing for a season with Thundersport but I think the more time I spend on the bike learning what different conditions feel like the better I'm going to be and the fitter I'm going to be and more ready to attack the track so that's the season <laughs> bikes 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 wow that, yeah i can't believe that motocross as well like i just yeah we have a lot of we've had a few people that have come on the podcast and done motocross and we've actually one of the previous episodes we're going to obviously explain to our listeners like what it is and yes. now for a natural motorcycle like rider to say like i'm learning other disciplines i'm sure mm. the people will probably yeah. follow suit just to see yeah what it's like and give it a go because you've got essentially you've got nothing to lose like if you don't like it you just go back yeah. to the track so yeah and every, and everyone that has spoken about it said how much fun it is apart from how much coverage of mud you get but oh it's pretty bad matter. there's so much more cleaning <laughs> to do after a motocross weekend than a, than a race weekend for sure on track on <laughs> um but I also wanted to um um make a note of like I wanted to mention that I, I don't own all these bikes. There's loads of bikes for hire. So particularly on a, not so much on track, like you are going to pay a premium to uh, like to hire a track bike because the consequences of failure are higher. They're, you will write them off if you make a mess of things. But on motocross, like there's people have got so many and they're only like, you know, a grand, maybe less. And with Days on the Dirt, uh, I just hire them. I hire a little Honda CRF 100. Um, I borrowed a friend's motocross bike. It's just a lot easier and the community's more happy to share their kits because when you fall on the floor with it, doesn't really matter. It just, you just pick it back up again and go. When I was on a, on a road, a track bike, there's just more stuff to, to fall off. <laughs> yeah. It's usually a lot faster. Mm. I'm, I'm writing a list of obviously, obviously I'm in the process of learning myself. And yes. I'm like, I've always been interested in motocross and off-roading because yes. I I have no fear of the mud 
Um, in fact, I, I quite like mud. Um, I've done quite a lot of obstacle course runs, like Tough yes. Mudder. And great, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm one of these people. You're up that, for it. I'm so up for it. I'm always up for yeah. like a little challenge. So yeah, I'm I'm super. So can keen. you ride a geared bike? Yeah. Um. So, listeners, um, what I've potentially done is I'm trying to build my confidence up on a geared bike purely because yeah. it's trying to get the feeling because it's slightly yeah. different to driving a car. Obviously, you're using yeah. different components of your body to do gears and other bits but yeah I'm literally going through the process at my own pace at my own time so I'm confident myself and obviously some of your suggestions are brilliant ideas um so I know for a fact at some point I'll probably talk to talk to you um when the time's right just to get some more information and insight and yeah audience feel free to do the same as well because yes it's a journey with a flat track score you just have to get it into second it never goes to leave in and out of second you've got to be able to pull away on the clutch because uh, yeah. at higher bigger circuits you need to go second third um but the uh the indoor school that they have so it's very mm-hmm. it doesn't matter on the weather um you can just stay in second and that's it job done so you can learn that way i must admit it's the bike feels nicer once it's in second gear it's not oh it does yeah far less when it's in yeah. first yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah i'm giggling a so, bit now because uh i love one of my best things about racing is my race starts. I'm I'm really good at them, and it's because of flat track and how uh, there's something called the whole shot, which is like the getting into the corner first, whether it's yeah. a car or a bike or any sport really. Yeah. And a flat track is really is about the whole shot because you being in front, especially on a small indoor circuit, it, you mm-hmm. really just dominate the space. And it's kind of yours, so even if you're a slightly slower rider you have to work even harder to get past them. And so yeah. the start is so important and that's really paying off on my, on my tracks because my team are just giggling. Cause it, even though like in the, I actually race in, um, in the 600 elite class, which is the yeah. fastest 600 grid in Thundersport. So it's a bit feisty. And because I went national on my CB500, I'm kind of learning how to ride the R6 at the fastest pace possible. So it's it's aggressive. So I'm not doing so well in my grid positions, but on the start line, I just jump about seven places. <laughs> really nice. good, really, really good. The nice. R6 just jumps. And that is because of training with the flat track uh, champion school. It was great. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So, Laura, tell us about your sponsors. Like, how do you go about doing it? Does obviously the army like help you find them, or is it just yeah. you do going solo with it all? Um, so, a lot of what I've built up before I started racing with the army team was my own my own sponsors, and so I do. Um, I'm Im- immensely immensely grateful for all of them because they've just just been brilliant. So the um the first I kind of I had a crash at Cadwell Park um a few years ago like 2018 I think and uh, I had some downtime and when racers are like down have downtime they're like well how can I get back on track quicker um so Mm -hmm. I use that time to really approach as many people as possible I got a lot of good feedback so uh I my one of the first ones was uh Fuchs Silkeline so obviously they're um an oil and lubricants brand, the British uh, of British origin, and they have just looked after me ever since. Like they're just super, super kind. Really nice to visit them, and they just keep me topped up with a garage full of the good stuff. It's almost like I need separate hazard. Like if the garage catches fire, we're all screwed. Um, so it's like the it, there's a lot of Fuchs things, and then secondly, Knox Armor are amazing. So Knox Armor, a motorcycle clothing brand. Um, their YouTube channel is absolutely brilliant because it's about the experience of riding bikes and they happen to be wearing their kit but I've crashed so much in their clothes Uh, well not the leathers but obviously their their gloves their back protector their chest protectors and they design stuff for women it's not fluffy pink for for like um, flowers it's aesthetically fitting motorcycle clothing that looks good uh, that you want to wear and I, I just love their kit so a lot of my youtube channel i'm wearing the Knox urban pro or wearing their androids it's just mint and they're 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 appropriately priced for quality and i i just swear by that so love love Knox, and i'm really happy to have them on my leathers as well um and then what kind of there's a few other people that just look after me um 
particularly pipe works. They do like silences. Uh, Jeff is brilliant. It's just like I just send him utterly destroyed silences, like the exhaust can on my bike. I'm like, mm, please. And he just gives it back, fully sleeved up. And I'm like, how did you do this? And I did that. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, uh, so then there's a few others. Um, there's have you heard of the California Secret Bike School at all? I've possibly heard of it. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we're based at Silverstone, so you probably um, might have crossed paths there, but they do a lot of like rider training for people who want to get better on the road and also people that want to get back on the track. So I've started the coaching program with them. Um, so I'm not a coach yet, so I'm not allowed to do any of it, but they're, in, they're, they're training me. Um, and they're, they're again, a, a, good, a good way to really, what did they do? So they basically teach you loads of hints and logic to help diagnose what your problems might be on a bike. So it's not just like you go and do a track day and you're like, you're not doing that corner properly or you, you, why are you doing that wrong? The school teaches you like to understand what you're actually doing wrong, how you can learn from that and how you can do it better. So I, I really enjoyed their training. Cool. Um, Amazing. And then, yeah. So there's a few few others, uh, but we'll go with that for now. Otherwise we're going to list off loads and loads of sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> I found them first and then I'm yeah. using them to help the army team is kind of the summary yeah. but the, the army team has a massive other list of sponsors um uh, in particular GB Racing absolutely look after us so when you've been your bike down the road GB Racing are just their, their engine protectors really work and I keep chewing through them but I'd rather chew through them than my own casings um Michelin have been great so we get Michelin tyres and you both know that tyres are a ridiculous amount of money especially yeah. on the R6 yeah. um so they they've also been brilliant Knox is still looking after us Pipeworks are looking after us so it's yeah it's mint we're lucky to have that kind of support as a, as a group as well so if someone does want to sponsor you, um, there's sponsorship opportunities, I'm, I'm guessing. Of course, there's always space on the leathers or the bike. But really what, what most racers offer now is an experience to be part of a journey. So no one, yeah. it's so, no one really, I don't think is really that bothered about having a logo on something. Like I'm proud to wear my kit, but mm. it's about being part of a racer's experience and being part of a group and a community to, to get together and experience something on the track. Yeah. I think Charlotte summarised it pretty well in the podcast you did with her. When you're racing, nothing else matters and your lived experience in the paddock from when you arrived when you finish it's just all about that environment and how you can get faster on track but how are you well you can work as a team to do that so obviously I'm always up for sponsorship opportunities but I'm I would encourage anyone to look at any any rider that you want to be part of their development uh, and, and sharing their success as well as their failures like that's quite important as well mm. um I've, I've recently found a, a sponsor that you kind of cross paths with in your network um uh, who has a like a management consultancy business and he explained that to me like sometimes sponsors find you you can ask as much as you want but the right person will come to you and help and now I've got his branding on my leathers and he's just happy to be part of the journey and be part of the team and that's what I'm so grateful for so it's really really good and what would be the best way for potential sponsors to get in contact with you? <laughs> well, as always, it'll be straight on the, the socials, wouldn't it? So anything that you type in Lara Motor into Google, you'll end up um, somewhere near where I'll be looking. Um, that's very kind of you to uh, prompt that. Just do <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you've, and Laura, you've also answered my next question. And it obviously was like, have you found it difficult obtaining sponsorship? But like you said, like people come to you and you go to them and obviously it's just kind of putting your name out there which, yeah. which you've done so and I think that's all you've got to do even like from you know like the local football teams or yeah. whatever other sport it, it's exactly the same you just got to get your name out there yeah yeah you just you do have to have a social media presence but even if it's just your, your local neighborhood you never know who's yeah. interested in, in being part of your journey and uh, that's how you bring them in now we talked about this off the podcast but it kind of I'm kind of gonna jump in and mention it again I've noticed more and more female bike riders are appearing now and okay. it's it's amazing um feel free to give some of them a, a shout out again that you haven't mentioned um obviously you've mentioned Charlotte Mercuso quite a lot yeah. Katie Hand um yeah. 
she's gonna hate me because I can't pronounce the name properly it's Lissy Whitmore oh yeah I listened to her podcast as well and yeah. again she's got such a promising career in the military too mm. uh, I've actually messaged her on the back of listening to your podcast just to just to get in touch um so I'm kind of there to offer a little bit of advice like because what I've found interesting to listen to is how the hell they are managing their academics as well as a racing um admission yeah. at championship yeah um it's it's really really impressive but i'm it's it i think you have to be really careful i think charlotte's got her head screwed on well she knows that she wants to be an engineer and she wants a career in the industry but a racer to be a racer is a different kettle of fish and mm-hmm. you've got to have something to fall back on because it's you just you've got to have some kind of academic foundation or a work experience that's going to give you something to work with because the those who make it into racing there's many of them but to really be that successful is quite quite slim Uh, I feel lucky that I got my academic like engineering stuff out of the way I've given myself a career and a foundation and although I'm you know I'm not going to punch my way into BSB uh, I'm I've to be fair I probably could if I had enough money and spent enough time on a bike but I'm happy that I've got my career sorted and I'm now doing racing as a, as for fun rather than the pressure of having to actually deliver and um, mm. in it yeah. <laughs> I think it's got a balance yeah. um so yeah I've lost track of train of thought a little bit there but I've, I'm empathizing with them and like trying to push through A-levels I couldn't think of anything more distracting than trying to race and do my A-levels at the same time it's crazy talk <laughs> yeah um you mentioned like when you was younger um about particular riders that you kind of um looked to or they inspired you yes who are they hmm. <laughs> um well I'm actually a little bit stumped on this question because I didn't I mean I had pictures of Rossi on my wall yeah but they're just it was more like that I didn't really latch on to anyone because they're just too far away as a concept like you ride. Yeah. yeah. I've kind of had a very passionate inner drive just to crack on and do what I wanted to do anyway. And it's not really on the back of um, being inspired by someone. Mm. Um, Obviously you've got Maria Costello, which is, she's, she's amazing of absolute force of nature with what she's achieved, but I wasn't really switched on to any of the role models in the industry. I was like, I like riding bikes and I'm going to ride bikes. So that, that was kind of it. I'm struggling to name an exact like person that made a huge difference because it, it wasn't. I just had this burning desire to spend time on two wheels and that's ended up, took me to where I am. And it's why I became an engineer because yeah. that, that passion for, in the same way you, you, you love the smell of fuel probably and, and you, oh. you've got casserole <laughs> yeah. running through your veins. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the the it's the the noise the power the thrust the feeling of engineering and the feeling of aircraft or trains for god's sake i love a train um and then uh, and motorbikes and just being part of that movement that's what made me into an engineer and probably why i'm now working as an engineering industry because of my love of bikes that brings it all together i'm just gonna say this yep you are your own inspiration <laughs> Maybe so, maybe so. I, I think that's the answer because you've just found this passion which has inspired you and you've just taken it to this level and you've created it so it's fun. So you've yep. taken all the, the stress and the strain and all that, all that, uh, what's the word? It's kind of, I wouldn't say it's heartache, but you've kind of taken the pain away from, from it and made it, like I said, you've made it fun. You've made it your own. Yep. And that, that is, in a nutshell, is, you know, that's perfect because you're getting more out of life and you're happy and you're fulfilled and that's yeah. that's what it's all about. And on that question, this kind of ties in a little bit. So, um, Ellie, jump in. <laughs> yeah, so you kind of explained it in a little bit, but I'm going to go slightly okay. off question here. So can I have three words, Laura? that describe what racing has brought to your life and what it like means to you just in three words I know it's hard I'm sorry that's well hard um, <laughs> uh, the can I have the question again please just to make absolutely sure so just three words to describe yep. like what racing means to you and like what it's brought to your life essentially okay 
<laughs> three words. Um, so when I, my gut feel, because there's no point, there's so many words you could use. Uh, I'm going to go with drive, passion and commitment. Um, although they, I've, I feel like I could throw way more at you, but you've asked for three. So we're going to we're give that a go. Um, <laughs> I was going to say one, but that was a bit harsh. <laughs> drive, commitment and... <laughs> Passion, drive, passion. passion. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was passion, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. thank you for them three words because you kind of explained it in the previous question. So I was like, well, with Dev, so I was like, right, let's make this one different. And I know it's hard, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> and and I think my next question, I think you've kind of summarized it um already. I was gonna say, what what would you like to achieve in both racing and life in general? But um I generally think you've potentially already answered the question yeah I think it's just a pursuit of happiness which is everybody has is driven by different things I'm driven by racing aggressively around in a circle uh, and the feeling of perceived freedom in doing that um nothing beats dropping down two gears and just chucking a bike into a corner it's just <laughs> exactly exactly it's just me and and sometimes we all have ups and downs and days at work or, or challenges thrown at us um but you just you just have have to have an outlet outlook whatever that that is even if just going for a walk you know or riding a push bike or paying a dog a fluid fluffy really fluffy dog uh just you just gotta have an outlet mine is just a really expensive one <laughs> i'm sure drugs are cheaper i really do think they are <laughs> Uh, we, we do not condone drugs on this podcast <laughs> absolutely, not. absolutely not so obviously you've met quite a few different people in the paddock is there anyone that you'd like to give a shout out to that we've not spoken about or we don't know of them yeah I'm really grateful for you asking actually so life isn't always about racing life is about enjoying time on two wheels and I've found a friend that um I've made through Twitter actually um her name is Maya um I call her Biker Maya she saved as Biker Maya in my in my in my phone but she's her full name is Maya Kenny and she runs Maya's motorcycle tours now she's previously was an events organizer but since Covid a lot more events got cancelled um and and she found the time to follow her true passion which was motorbiking on two wheels now we found each other because she has a super sport identical to mine and she's also like um it's a kind of a tall blonde lady uh, so we're like we're the same uh so the uh the, so we just basically became friends she's coming around to my house uh tonight because we're going flat tracking flat tracking together tomorrow um and you can find her on online like maya's motorcycle adventures her name is spelled m-a-j-a so i called her Maja for ages uh but it's actually maya and what she does is offer motorcycle tours around wales because she lives in wales and it's just an example of kind of um the self like the kind of again following what your passion is and making it into a career and a job and now she's making an industry out of leading people on beautiful tours around Wales that if you you can definitely follow like Google but or Google Maps but it's not the same she just coordinates all of it and she's given me a lovely mug um so it's Maya's motorcycle adventures same bike as mine and I, I just it's just an example of the friends you meet along the way and being open to meet yeah meet new people and try new things but yeah thank you for letting me mention that that's cool we're gonna have to look her up now so I don't think we're following her I don't think I say that we follow so many people it's just hard to keep track um now as we mentioned if we do want to find you on any socials it's literally quick google Lara Moto and we'll find you on Instagram YouTube Instagram Twitter Facebook YouTube that'll all work yeah all work (laughs) And amazing. Before we go, Ellie's favourite bit. <laughs> I know it. you'll know that in season one, as a bit of fun, we've been asking our guests for their favourite song to listen when driving, or what represents them, uh, what and their passion as well. We're building another very impressive playlist. When I say this, it is we we could be onto another playlist because it is getting quite long. Some people <laughs> put three. Some people even put three songs in there because That's they just cheating. couldn't decide. That's cheating. I know it's cheating. Yeah, we we have struggles, haven't we, with with some of our guests. Bless them, because I yeah. think 
yeah because I do actually spring it on them if they've never listened to the podcast before and they do feel a bit overwhelmed by it bless them all <laughs> so on Spotify for our listeners to listen well they're behind the wheel or if they're going on a long drive or even into the local supermarket so yeah. Laura tonight what song are you picking and why Okay, I did actually try and do some research into this and it's got to be a song uh, by Florence and the Machine because I just think the way she sings is utterly tremendous and moving. Uh, and so uh, it's it's got to be You've Got the Love. I think uh, that's a, an absolutely revolutionary song and I try and sing it in my car with the roof off, trying to belt it out and I can't obviously match her absolute talent, but I think it's... It's just one of those songs that just raises you up. Uh, and yes. I, I really like listening to it at full volume. Yes. We haven't had a Florence song, have we? No, no, we haven't. And I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've actually seen Florence and the Machine Same. live. And yeah, she's incredible. She, is. Um, she really, really is. is just out of this Mind blown. Yeah. yeah. Right. She's on. Great, immediate. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much. Literally, it's, it's now, now, now. We've even had raves during podcasts, so yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm imagining the song in my head and I'm like, oh, yeah. I know that one. Need to listen to it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, right. That one is literally on the playlist right now. Great. Done. Awesome. Right. So great song choice. I've this has been an absolutely fantastic chat. Yeah. Um, I'm I've learned <laughs> something. I've added more to my list of things to do. Um, yeah, sorry. It, it's absolutely fine. You've been really inspiring, and I'm so glad that we've um, managed to get you on. I know it's taken a little bit of time, um, but we've managed it. We've got it. We've, we've pinned you down um yeah anything you'd yeah. like to add Ellie before we say yeah goodbye. just thank you so much Lauren it's just an insight as well obviously like to listen what you do and how you apply like your day job to like your hobby as well and how you have so much time is just yeah I'm in awe to be honest so yeah thank you and I'm sure our amazing listeners will enjoy it as well and I'm sure they'll definitely learn something and I'm sure they'll definitely be Googling what a flat track is or what motocross is or anything along the lines and just give something a go and listening to the bikes and thinking, why is that bike different to mine? What's it got different and everything in between. So yeah, thank you. Honestly, thank you. No, it's brilliant. And again, I just want to thank both of you for just creating what you have because it's like you said, it's about women supporting women and that's what you're achieving by creating an audience, creating this podcast and, and doing so well. It's, 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 it's even like so critical and it's an absolute pleasure to be on the podcast, but also be part of the influence that you're creating to inspire loads of other people to take up their hobbies or passion. It might be motorsport. It could be anything, but it's still a, still a shared message. Yes. I very much appreciate the love. And obviously we throw the love back at you. And support you all the way. So, all the best. It sounds like the Florence song. We're, we're yeah. sharing the love. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, thank you again. Oh, I hate this bit. We'll more likely get you on again. Um, I'm sure there's going to be another podcast season um, after this one, but we might need to take a break. But, yes, if any stage you want to come on or even help us. Um, creating youtubes or just coming to a track and giving you an interview interview um you know anything to help or anything like that would be very much appreciated and obviously we'd love to learn a lot more of what happens at the racetrack yes um there will be video coming out with motorbike tv of a of a, a life in the paddock on a race on a military race weekend with thundersport so that hopefully articulate it a little bit um, and I've really remembered I've got one more thank you to make is just my pick crew, Justina and Mike, um, my partner, Ben. Like, I know it seems really silly, but literally Justina, we've met each other flat tracking. And she was like, what do you do for fun? I was like, I do this. Do, do you want to come along? And she's literally come to every race ever since and just dealt with so much absolute chaos. And it's just an example <laughs> of people being prepared to get stuck, stuck in and be part of something. And I'd, I'd absolutely love to have you um, come to a race weekend. You can come and meet. I mean, if 
Charlotte's there, Katie might be there, uh, Lizzie will definitely be there. So you can meet all of us and just uh, and just enjoy seeing the the highs and lows of racing and then mm. be part of that experience. Yeah, lots of lows <laughs> and that's part of racing. Well, we'll we'll let you get on because you've got some bits to prepare for tomorrow with your friend. I've got an Arthix to put back together. It's, this is why my nails look like this. It's uh. kind of- <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Um, wow. How motivating is Laura? Um, for a talented lady, she's going to go far in her career and we will continue to support her and her future goal. Also, feel free to send us a message with any questions you might have for her. As always, show some love for our podcast by leaving us a review, liking and subscribing. Plus, don't forget to share your favourite episode to get it in as many people is as you can. Remember, your help is to help others. Thanks for listening to the Be Velocity podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode. If you know someone who'd like to get involved in building our global community or you'd like to get involved yourself, you know where we are. Just do a Google. (laughs) And on that note, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Engineered. Driven. Created. Thank you.